going on guys it's your boy matt st jack whether you're an avid anime fan a wee tadpole still finding your way or anywhere in between i'll be providing my opinions and insights on anime old and new think yelp with help from friends and producers from other shows weighing in i know you can't wait to hear and i can't wait to tell so let's get to it this is matt st jack with anime talk let's go I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, bungs, or joints, smoke it if you've got it. And how's, how's it going, guys? Great. Are we really moking? Is that what we're doing? We're moking? We're moking. <laughs> yeah, that's how you pronounced it, bro. Maybe that's just how <laughs> I came ac- across the uh, the video call. I don't know. Or maybe I really said that. Maybe you did. I don't know. It, it, it's a mystery. Truly. Much, m- much like what uh, Indiana Jones encounters on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Crystal skulls, you know. Wait, no. Wait, what are you talking about crystal skulls? I, I don't recall. We, 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 don't, we, don't talk, we don't talk. Arc of the Covenant. We don't talk about that. I don't. Yeah, I, I, Robert. I don't know what this crystal skull is. Is Shia LaBeouf? You know, you remember right? Shia, Shia, LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. What? What, is, what are you talking about? You don't remember dude? Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, I remember Shia LaBeouf. But what does he have to do with Indiana yeah, what, fucking what, Jones? You don't remember him being Shia a son? Shia LaBeouf have to do with? Man, it's the whole thing you're missing. I I don't know. So today we are discussing the Indiana Jones trilogy. This is going to be a two part episode. Uh, and, and yeah, that, that's it. There is an Indiana Jones trilogy. If you've ever heard about there being other movies, you were told wrong. There are three movies. There are form a trilogy. There's even the one that just came out, too. <laughs> Last year. I, think. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I don't think that one exists either. Yeah. You know, with the, the CGI and the, the de-aging. You know? are, are we really sure about this? Yeah. And then the video game is coming out soon. The video oh, game. I know about cool. the video game. That... Yeah, that looks really cool. Like for first person Indiana Jones action. Like I mean, th- that's awesome. I mean, fuck yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> honestly, like I would have preferred if they just did a straight up like like every all they literally all they have to do is just do uncharted or like classic Tomb Raider and that's it. You have a Indiana Jones game. Um so it's a little weird that it's first person, but I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm optimistic still, except for the fact that it's a Microsoft exclusive. Well, and yeah. That was that, kind of a disappointment. Yeah. Well, I do have an Xbox One, and I think uh, Robert has an Xbox Series S, right? Yeah. So we could play it. Fuck yeah. We could. With our powers combined. Totally. But, yeah. But yeah, Exactly. This episode, part one, is going to be dedicated to Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
And then uh, we'll be talking about Temple of Doom and uh, The Last Crusade in part two. I, I think, you know, when kind of splitting this up, Raiders is definitely the most culturally significant film of this bunch. Arguably. Arguably. I mean, I would say, I mean, a lot... A lot more people probably remember Last Crusade a bit more fondly, you know, especially uh, some of the younger crowd who may have uh, gotten into Indiana Jones, you know, late in the game and everything. Last, Last Crusade is my favorite, personally. Had, yeah. Uh, River Phoenix but, in there. Yeah. I've kind of seen a, a little bit of a reappraisal of Temple of Doom. I mean, a lot of people always said that that was like the, the weaker Indiana Jones sequel, but... I don't know. I watched it, and I think that it's a breath of fresh air between these two movies about dusty old Christian artifacts. We have that whole story about a uh, thuggy cult worshiping Kali. So, I mean, that it, it, it was different. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a nice little break, you know, of pace. And we'll we'll definitely talk about that when we talk about Temple of Doom, because uh, you know, while it is, I, I think we can all agree the weakest film of the trilogy. It's, it's not a bad film. None of these are. But Raiders of the Lost Ark did something to cinema that the previous films can't take credit for, you know, just not being the first, right? Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the one to just introduce to the world these characters. And I, I, I got to say, it is a damn near perfect film, like down to the pacing and everything. It is quite possibly one of the tightest uh, scripts that you'll ever come across, and also one of the tightest screenplays. I mean, I, I, I think that this was something that uh, Chris Stuckman brought up, is that there's just nothing wasted here. At there's all. not a single word of dialogue wasted, not a single um, moment like in camera. Like, I mean, the set pieces are like on point and I mean yeah when it comes to what you actually see on film and also you know the actual story I mean it, it just gets from point A to point B like almost flawlessly so and I heard that the reason yeah. for that was that uh, Steven Spielberg was particularly careful to not uh, go over the movie's budget or get behind schedule. He was he was very 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 uh, adamant about you know uh, underspending and 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 cutting ahead of schedule, and that's why this film, to my understanding, uh, was produced as quickly and as, and as efficiently as it was. In fact, in a lot of ways, it was kind of de, uh, produced as a B movie and was an unexpected success. Well. What, what Spielberg and Lucas were really going for here is they were trying to uh, bring up the uh, feel of the old uh, serials that would come out in theaters in uh -huh. the uh, like uh, 30s and 40s and whatnot. Chapter plays. Yeah, exactly. I mean... It, and it definitely has that feel, and, and, and it's kind of why it has an appeal to, uh, like, all kinds of different uh, people of all different ages, you know? Yeah. Like, at, at the time, especially at the time, I mean, the older people who would go into the theaters and see this, I mean, it was just like the, uh, the stuff they would see in matinees in their youth and whatnot, so... You know, it, it's familiar territory, you know, and, and it's kind of the same thing that Lucas did with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is very much uh, like Flash Gordon and everything. It, it was uh, 
or it was that kind of uh, sci-fi, you know, but it, it was serialized. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see a lot of callbacks to that. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Star Wars because, you know, George Lucas is involved in this. Uh, I think he produced and, and wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah. So uh, I got to say the Indiana Jones trilogy to me uh, is better than the Star Wars original trilogy. Honestly, in terms of directing, oh. writing, they're just better films in my no, opinion. It, <laughs> and I love Star Wars. It, it's it's not even comparable to me, you know? I was always down for Indiana Jones. As, as many of our listeners may recall, I've n always made it clear that I've never been a huge Star Wars fan. It's just never been that appealing to me. But this, this shit, on the other hand... Holy fuck, I was really into Indiana Jones back when I was a kid, bro. I mean, yeah, I, I, would, play, I would play act as Indy all the time. Fuck yeah. Yeah, actually, that's something I kind of want to get into here is uh, what are our backgrounds with Indiana Jones? Like, when did you guys watch these movies during your childhood and, and what way? I... Here's what's interesting. I first really became aware of Indiana Jones when Raiders came out and Raiders was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards, especially for like special effects design and everything. And uh, I remember uh, they showed on uh, on the Academy Awards that year because my that, that, that was a little tradition back in the day that my family did. We'd watch the Academy Awards. And uh, that year they showed uh, the lineup of scenes that were nominated for uh, Academy Awards for special effects. And uh, yeah, I was very young at this time and it showed all the, uh, the melting faces and uh, the Cavian heads and the explosions. And that kind of freaked me out and I, I cried. <laughs> I fucking cried when I first <laughs> saw it. I mean, I, I was a little kid, mind you. And the, yeah, my, and my mom was just like, what the hell? And it was just like, oh, it's Indiana Jones. You know, so, yeah, that was my first exposure. There is quite a bit of violent imagery in this movie. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. More so in the next one, but. Yeah, but but then later on when uh, Temple came out, I mean, I was still a young kid then, but I was just old enough to get into stuff like Ghostbusters and whatnot. So this was kind of right up my alley and everything. It, it, it had everything. It had action. It had a, a good story. It had, uh, you know, it had Marion, who is who's best girl, 100 percent best girl out of all. Of them. I mean. She's up against a Nazi and fucking Willie, so it, it's Willie, not hard. Oh God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, this was just something that really resonated with me in my childhood, and it, 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 it first introduced me to George Lucas and Steven Spielberg as well. You know, so, I mean, eventually I would also watch like E.T. I would watch, uh, you know, I would eventually watch Star Wars as a kid. Although, like I said, I never got that into it. But, yeah, this is kind of a little bit of an important uh, little franchise to me, honestly. It, it goes back quite a bit. Yeah, definitely for me, too. Like, like 100% the same. But wh what about you, Robert? Oh, it's more recent than anything. Like how so? Uh, actually, the first one that I've ever seen was the Shia LaBeouf one. Really? Oh my God! I don't know what you're talking about, Robert. That's the thing. There, there. I, I don't know what movie you're speaking of here. Yeah, I remember the Crystal Skull and the. I, I don't know about this Crystal Skull, Robert. Yeah, 
It was, I, it was I know nothing thing. of this movie. It was this, a whole thing. You probably just missed I, it. You know? I don't know. Are you, are you sure this isn't a Mandela, a Mandela effect thing? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I, I like... Is, I like is, it, is this the Mandela effect? Are we just misremembering something here? I like Sinbad, Sajam, and everything. Robert, yeah. you didn't grow up watching these movies on VHS and shit? No, I didn't. This was awesome on VHS, dude. This was like the shit. I remember we actually had a trilogy box set. So to me, that's why it's oh, always nice. been the Indiana Jones trilogy. Also, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out here with the hot take. I know some people are gonna be pissed about this, but you know what? The, India, it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Last. Or <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because, and here's why, all right, how fucking stupid is it to have a movie titled Raiders of the Lost Ark and then the sequel is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and the sequel is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Nah, I like the retroactive retitle. You know what? It makes more sense from a branding standpoint, too. I know why they did it. It's like, okay, so you know this is an Indiana Jones story. So I'm going to stick with the, the new title, now, obviously, during this review, we're going to refer to the movies by their subtitles because that's just easier when we're talking about them. But that is my hot take. The, 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 the true title of the movie is, in order to be more consistent with its sequels, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, the thing is, I'm in my 40s, so to me, it's just going to be Raiders. You know, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, so... But but it's inconsistent. It it bothers me like 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 the angry video game nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, you're not wrong there. <laughs> oh no. No, it doesn't matter. I think I think we're officially titling the episode just Indiana Jones trilogy part one and part two, so we can we can just sidestep that whole controversy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, I watched these movies as a trilogy over and over as a kid on VHS. Um, I loved the shit out of these. Uh, actually, growing up, Temple of Doom was my favorite for some reason. But um, and, and Raiders was the one I feel like I, I remember the least about, you know, um, growing up. Because I remember, like, the iconic opening scene. But then everything afterwards, I don't know. The other movies as a kid to me, I think, were the ones I gravitated to a little bit more. It, it took me coming back, you know, as an adult to really appreciate Raiders. Because, like I said, it's like every single shot of this movie is purposeful. Uh, the film is just so tightly written. You know, it's just... It does everything that it needs to do, and there's no extraneous movement. Okay, first of all, if anybody is listening right now, if you hear any rain, it is raining right now pretty hard. Oh, so, yeah, yeah just uh, please bear with us there. Second, I'm going to give my uh, little hot take on the uh, beginning of Raiders of the Lost Art. I think that the beginning of Temple of Doom is better. I think that it is more evocative of the actual cinema of that time, of the 30s, you know, especially with the big old song and dance routine that, that goes into a big old, you know, a row of tap dancers and everything. Like, to me, that is a better 
intro, a more more cinematic intro. But the intro to this movie, though, I can still see why it's classic. I mean, it's you, especially the way that they actually showed uh, and, and revealed uh, Indiana Jones's character. You know, like you you only see him in the shadows for a little bit until one of, uh, you know, dude who's not Alfred Molina. He tries to shoot him in the back and then he whips it out of his hand, the gun, and then he just steps out of the shadows. It's very it's it's a really, really classic way to introduce this character. You know, we don't know who he is at first. And then it's like Harrison Ford, you know, and he's indie and it just. He he just runs with it from that moment on, and I just he does. You can tell how much fun Harrison Ford is having in this role every time he puts on, you know, the the hat and the jacket and the whip. It, it it's you can really just just see it come out in the performance. And I think what's great about that opening sequence is that it, it manages to really encapsulate the character in whole because we do get this sort of mysterious intro and we see you know how much of a hard ass he can be but then we also see him stumble a little bit and we get see him a little bit humanized on his way to getting the idol and then ultimately failing to retrieve that item but it It's one of those opening scenes that I think sticks out in so many people's minds uh, for a few different reasons. And it's arguably like one of the most iconic opening scenes in in cinema, really. Uh, You know, name a scene that's been parodied more than this one, you know, with the, the rolling ball and everything. And it still holds up every little piece of it. I, I love the whole thing. Uh, of course, with John Williams uh, doing the score, you know, it, it, hands down, I mean, there is no composer. I, I don't think there's a single film composer that holds a candle to John Williams. Absolutely not. I mean, John Williams has just been making banger after banger after banger for decades. And this right here, I feel, is some of his most realized work, you know, because remember, I said that, you know, it's evoking the, the whole point of this uh franchise is that it's evoking the old serials and everything, but especially in the music. The music has that real old-school, grandiose cinematic effect to it, you know? And it has a little bit of that pulpiness to it, even, you know? Like, I mean, when you hear that uh, first I mean, you just you just get exactly what this is all about, you know? It's about swashbuckling. It's about raiding tombs it's about archaeology it's about uh fucking fighting nazis and Hell shit. Yeah. i mean it's just like the uh, score to jaws you know i mean you hear that Donna, and, and you know immediately what's gonna happen you know or or you know that intro to uh, the star wars theme you know da, 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 da. yes i mean there's just none more nothing more iconic than that it's truly an iconic work and i mean john williams i think i think he's coming out of retirement to do one more uh film he's going to score another film here pretty soon i forget which one yeah, it is yeah i heard about that yeah he's yeah he's coming out of retirement one more time so Fuck, yeah. that that that's something to look forward to I, you can never complain when there's more john williams i mean it's he's just like one of those composers that like you can listen to a track and i'm not even like 
I don't know a whole lot about music, but I can listen to something and be like, hey, that's John Williams. You know, there's those little flourishes, you know, and, and I can instantly think of Star Wars or Harry Potter, you know, but yeah, or Indiana Jones for that matter. So we've got this fantastic soundtrack that's just immediately iconic, uh, sets the mood for this. Uh, you've got Harrison Ford at his best, honestly. Uh, and you've got plenty of other performances, you know, in this movie that really helps sell it. I mean, uh, uh, like you mentioned before, uh, uh, Karen Allen as Marion, uh, by far the the best girl of, I mean, the standard is not the bar is not high, but the the best girl of this franchise for sure. I mean, her opening scene is her winning a drinking contest uh, against this big old dude. Oh, yeah, he's a big Billy badass, and no, she drinks him under the table, and that's another great way to reveal a character is, I mean, you think that she's going to be a little bit of an underdog, but in the end, she she has a lot of fight to her, you know, and I mean, she uh, she's the perfect foil for Indy as a character. Definitely, definitely, and they have easily the best chemistry out of uh, any of the other female leads. But I mean, again, your competition is uh, the diva, Willie Scott, and a fucking Nazi, so. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we have uh, Paul Freeman as uh, Belok, yeah. who to me is uh, kind of an iconic villain in his own right because, I mean, he's kind of just the inverse of Indy as a character as far as his morals are concerned and whatnot, you know, and how he approaches archaeology with, with whatever passion he feels, you know. But, I mean, with Balok, it's not so much passion. It's more like, you know, just a thirst for power and recognition than anything. Yes. So... Like, to me, he, he kind of stands up to some of the great cinematic villains, you know, kind of like Hans Gruber, you know, or uh, or uh, from Apocalypse Now. What was uh, Marlon Brando's character? Oh, shit, that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, another classic uh, villain right there. But, yeah, I mean, Paul Freeman just completely just envelops this role, you know? And he And he really, really just kind of gives up uh, Another one of the better performances in this movie. For real, yeah. I mean, and he's, uh, I, I think, the, the closest thing the film has to, like, a true villain. Because there's a couple different forces at play here. Um, and, and he's, you know, the rival archaeologist that just manages to get on top of Indy, you know, through some dirty, under, underhanded way. Uh and but Indy always manages to outmaneuver him at every corner, and I think that that's kind of what fuels this rivalry even more, and, and and makes each even more desperate to come out on top. You know, it becomes more personal for Belloc when Indy just won't stop coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then it's it's also just his own personal greed when it comes to the arc. Namely, he he wants to talk to God, I guess, yeah. you know? So, I mean, he's, he's totally uh, bought into the, you know, the, the mythology of the Ark. And of course, Indy is shown as somebody who is a skeptic. He's 100% skeptical about this thing. Which is funny because technically Temple of Doom is set before this and some supernatural shit happened then. So... <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's kind of uh, one of the real key character traits for Indy is that he maintains that skepticism even in the face of overwhelming this evidence. Is true. You know, he he still does not accept it as fact until it's proven as such. You know, so I mean. In the end of the movie, even he doesn't even see what happens when the arc is opened. He doesn't actually see it, neither mm -hmm. him nor Marion. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... That's true. They, they don't actually see what happens, just that everybody's dead. It's some supernatural powers at stake here. Now, obviously, you know, regarding the, the, the canon... Um, He's already seen the uh, you know, evidence for the existence of Hindu gods. And now, you know, here's evidence for the existence of the Judeo-Christian God, which makes you wonder what's really going on here. Like maybe they're just supernatural beings that people worship as gods. Maybe they're aliens. If uh, never mind, that didn't happen. We're not. <laughs> no, nothing. No aliens happened. Nothing like that. Robert, don't even. Don't even, Robert. <laughs> Why are you just grinning, Robert? <laughs> That's making me very uncomfortable. Uh, God damn it. I'm not saying it was aliens, but... but it was aliens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. God damn it. And, of course, that's a staple of an Indiana Jones movie is that for most of the movie... You know, regardless of past experiences, it's going to be played mostly like we're not really sure, you know, if they're, you know, it's played without the supernatural element until the end, generally. And that's kind of where, you know what I mean? There, yeah. There's kind of a structure in all of these movies that way. Well, it plays into the main central theme of the overall trilogy, and it really begins here with Raiders, is that is the uh, exploitation of religion and uh, religious uh, superstition, I should say, towards uh, nefarious ends, you know? Like you have that with, uh, of course, you know, the Nazis, you know, who in real life did have a uh, preoccupation with the occult. I mean, they really did try to look for the grail. That did happen. Yes, it did. Yeah. But, you know, but it shows, you know, how religion can be, you know, manipulated and exploited to to actually uh, harm, you know, to actually uh, even bring on uh, the uh, end of the world, even. If you, if, I mean, if you want to see, if you want to really, really get into what the Nazis were really trying to go for there, you know? I was just waiting for Captain America to come out. Oh, if only Captain America you was know, there. Chris Evans come out, you know? <laughs> and then Thanos does the snap. We don't need Captain America. We, we have Indiana fucking Jones. I mean, he, Indiana, Jones? Indiana Jones. Come on, Robert. Why at do the we same need time, at the same time, would have been like the Phantom too. You know, the Billy Zane one. Now that would have been yeah. more believable. Now it would have been believable if the Phantom would have showed up because the you Phantom know, was also a serial too, like that. Yes, exactly. Oh. Yeah. So, so that that would actually be believable. Right, right at the same time too. I mean, I, it's kind of unbelievable that there hasn't been a, uh, a crossover there. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, really. Practically. Jungle, looking for treasure. Right? Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, you could argue that, you know, the reason we have the Billy Zane fandom is because, you know, Indy really, Indiana Jones really popularized this type of uh, adventure, you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. yeah. And he popularized the concept, you know, of the anti-hero in film as one of the pioneering anti-heroes, you know? 
He's somebody that, you know, a dude brandishes a sword in front of him. And, and I swear, this is one of the best scenes in, in cinema because this dude brandishes the sword, does all these fancy tricks, and then Indiana just shoots him. Because when it really comes down to it, you know, what what good is, you know, honor going to do? Like, what... You know what I mean? He's got a gun on him. Just use it. And I, I think it's hilarious because apparently that scene was changed and then that actually was improvised because Harrison Ford wasn't was yeah. uh, feeling sick and uh, wasn't feeling well enough to do the, the, the sword fight scene as planned. So then he, he just suggests, well, what if I just shoot the guy? And it's 100% in character. I'm just so glad that that moment exists. <laughs> it really is hilarious, man. And, and, it, and that's another one of those scenes that's been uh, referenced in other uh, movies as well. Dirty you know? Harry. Yeah. Dirty Harry. Yeah. Something, got that. something Clint Eastwood would have done. Yeah. yeah. You know what, what <laughs> the Indiana Jones movies all do really well is comedic timing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, I would say that uh, in some ways, uh, Last Crusade is probably the funniest uh indie movie but by far even, even here in raiders i mean there's a lot of really funny moments like like uh when uh, the nazi commandant is uh, coming in to to talk to marion you think that he has a torture device for a second but it's misdirection it turns out it's just a yes. coat hanger for his jacket you yeah. know <laughs> so i mean it, it has little stabs of humor here and there the humor is so intelligent but Somebody who really, really drives a little bit of that humor, though, is none other than uh, John Rice Davies, who I think that in many ways kind of steals the show in a few of these scenes. Oh, fuck you know? yeah, John Rice Davies. Gimli himself, he is just one of the most, uh, 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 what's the word that I'm looking for? Likeable character. He's a captivating actor. Yeah. Likeable and, and captivating. And then, like, he's. You know? he, He's just immediately likable in every role that he's in, like like here, like Sala, uh, Indy's good friend. You know, and, and I wonder how much like overall screen time he actually gets in the movie uh, for him to be so endearing. That's the word I was thinking of to us. But it, yeah, there you go. You know, and it's just like his his. Uh, I'm so glad that they brought him back in, in uh, Last Crusade because he is he is definitely like one of the best characters in this franchise. Absolutely, absolutely, like. I mean, he even saves Indy's uh, life uh, when it comes to the poison dates. He's just like, oh, bad dates, you know, because the monkey died. So that's an interesting it, scene. The thing that makes it interesting to me is that, for one, uh, that's where we learn that the, the what, what the Nazis have is incomplete. They have incomplete uh, information and they're digging in the wrong place. And that's because uh, they have the actual talisman, you know. So right. uh, Salah's friend is able to interpret that uh, adequately and is actually able to lead India in the right direction. But I think what's, what's so cool about that is that all that exposition is delivered to us while we're being entertained on screen. So, and I think this is something that, that Stuckman talked about in his uh, review on this, but like your mind is, is paying attention to not only what they're saying, but also the dates because we, the audience know they're poisoned and we see Indy like almost eat the date. Right. And, and we kind of cringe, you know, and then there's that minute at the last minute where, where solid grabs the date, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and so it's like, there's just this <laughs> tension going on and your attention is being directed. And it's like, that's the way you deliver exposition in a film. Yep. Show don't tell. Right. 
Exactly. Exactly. It, and uh, Indiana Jones, just just all of these movies uh, in, in the trilogy, you know, really just do this so well. But Raiders is the one that comes to mind and just, you know, like like cinema as an art form. You know, this movie has that in spades because, you know, and, and it's something that there, there's something a little bit unique to the aesthetic of Raiders, I think, that isn't in the other two movies in just how tight the script is and how efficiently it, it accomplishes everything. Dr. Jones, you're a man of many talents. <laughs> It's something that man was not meant to disturb. An army which carries the ark before it is invincible. Indiana Jones! Let her go. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Oh, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. Trust me. But going also going back to the cinematography, I mean. I, I just love how all the uh, scenes in the actual, like, like the Well of Souls or the map room and everything. I mean, everything just looks so, it, it looks antiquated, but still kind of colorful in a way. But also it, it conveys kind of the danger that they're uh, kind of walking into, you know? Because, I mean, Salah, I mean, he's, uh, he's a little apprehensive about uh, having anything to do with the Ark. So uh, whenever they find the Well of Souls and sees all the asps, I mean, he's just like, asps, very dangerous. You go first. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, the, the cinematography, even in the desert and everything, it just uh, kind of evokes uh, that old school, almost kind of technicolor uh, feel to it. Like, especially in the other uh, in the other two movies, you know, like it, it really is a great throwback to how movies used to look back in the golden age. Right, Robert? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Robert, what do you have to say about it? Oh, not too much. Just not too much. Reminds Why? me of a reminds me of a lot of other movies, though. Like you said. Well, that's because those movies probably took inspiration from Indiana Jones, yeah, Robert. That's exactly, why. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's why they 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 make you think of other movies. Sure, this movie influenced cinema. Yeah, this this is a very influential movie. I mean, what what movies? I mean, what other movies were influenced by this? I mean. I mean, hell, oh, it even yeah. influenced video gaming. Yeah, probably as well. National Treasure. Net National Treasure, definitely. Uh, what else? I remember that Canon Films made a uh, a knockoff called Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold, and they really tried to kind of kind of uh, pull a Temple of Doom there, more or less. But 
But I mean, yeah, that Tom Selleck movie. Yeah, 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 the Tom Selleck movie. Which, which one was called? That one called? I forgot what that one was, but. Oh yeah, Tom Selleck was first choice for the Yeah, Indiana yeah, Jews. Tom Selleck, he was like one of one of the first choices to, to play Indy, but uh I, I guess that it was just his uh shooting schedule with Miami Vice that kind of conflicted, so he couldn't do it. And so we got Harrison Ford from it, because you know, of course, Lucas had worked with Ford in uh Star Wars. So I mean it, it, it's kind of interesting that we could have had Tom Selleck, you know. Which, I mean, I think there was, like, an episode of, Ma- of Miami Vice that uh, had some... It was, like, an Indiana Jones ripoff or whatever. But, yeah. I mean... I think Operation Condor opens up like that, too. Yeah, you're right. Operation Condor. Of course, the aforementioned uh, The Phantom, you know, that Phantom, one. Yeah, opens up the same way. There's even a sequel to The Buttercream Gang that's inspired by Indiana yes. Jones, isn't there? <laughs> like... There the, isn't there. The Brady, the very Brady sequel opens up like that. Oh, it does. That's where right. he's looking at the mountain and then he digs up a white horse, right? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> like, that's so dumb. Oh my god. Like honestly, it, it, it in gaming. I mean, you had like Uncharted, Uncharted and or uh, Tomb Raider. Raider. Those, yeah. are, those, those, those are absolutely the two most obvious. I mean. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Tomb Raider practically is an Indiana Jones uh, game. It's just with Laura Croft. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel that way about about the Uncharted games as well. Like having having played through the uh, the at least the first three, like they're uh, they're yeah. def- they like really like felt like a movie while you were playing them, and in particular, they felt like Indiana Jones, and I think that's why like I gravitated toward this because I mean, just growing up. This movie, this this trilogy of movies, uh, was influential for me, you know, and just in terms of of viewing cinema, you know, like this was one of the earliest films I ever watched that I remember watching. Yeah, you know, right, right up there, right, yeah, right I there with you. the Star Wars original trilogy. <laughs> exactly. I mean. I would like to say that maybe Ghostbusters was my first real movie that I first got into, but this kind of came not that, that's not too far behind from Ghostbusters, you know. And I mean, this uh, th- th- this movie just really kind of also showed me the possibilities of, you know, what you could do with with cinema, you know. Like, I mean, all the effects work is. I mean, it, it's aged so well, but even back then, it looked really impressive for for its time. I mean, like I said, it scared the fuck out of me when I was a little kid. So, I mean, it's it's effective. Yeah, actually, you know, like like the the uh, the violence of this movie is is a little bit more than you would expect uh, from something like this at the time. Temple of Doom leans into that uh, uh, definitely a little bit more, but like even in the opening, you know, whenever you see uh, uh, Alfred Molina in his debut uh, theatrical role, uh, just impaled on spikes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, too bad. Too bad, Alfred. Yeah, and then uh, the uh, the German dude that gets his face melted off, uh, Tote. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he he was he was really intimidating, man. Like just just really 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 scuzzy. They they, they found exactly the right person to play him, you know. 
Because, I mean, y- you could tell that this is somebody who has done some terrible things to people. For real. You could just tell right away. Yeah. I mean, they, they give him this really, like, mousy, squirrely vibe that's really off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, for real. Um, and he's just, like, one of those guys that, like, every time he pops up, you're like, oh, that fucking bastard. But I, his uh, his death scene is just so visceral like the practical effects that they used for that are insane that whole like his face melting i mean and, and you've we've seen it everywhere since that clip you know just ha- uh, has appeared everywhere because it, it's just stuck out and you know there's another dude whose head explodes <laughs> Well, there's also the Nazi dude. His head kind of implodes a yeah. little bit, more or less. You know, and then that, that that was achieved using a suction effect and a rubber face and everything. That's what got that effect. And I think that the melting face effect that was uh, it was done kind of slowly with a, with a heat lamp, and uh, it was the I, I think they just sped up the framing a little bit in the in the camera to uh, to get that effect, mm. but. And apparently the uh, Belok's uh, head exploding, that almost got this movie an R rating. You know, that, that, that's why they had to cover it up in a bunch of flames so that they could get that PG yeah. rating. Remember, this was before PG-13. Like, PG, this, this is another thing that, you know, this series is well known for. It's pretty much the reason why we have PG-13 yes. movies. Pretty, like, pretty much, you know. That inarguably maybe Poltergeist. You know, because Poltergeist for a PG movie is pretty grody. You know, if you've ever watched it, it it, it gets down. But I mean, yeah, the, the the effects work in that in that ending scene is you know, w- once again, I Ghostbusters. Mean, they, yeah, it, it it does evoke Ghostbusters because the uh, the effects uh, uh, the effects specialist, the effects artist here actually went on to do Ghostbusters. Oh yeah. So there you go. You know. Yeah, yeah. So he even used a lot of the same kind of ghost effects for the uh, for the ghosts that come out of the ark as well. So I mean, that, it's it's very similar to that, and you kind of have that uh, glowing effect on the Nazis' bodies whenever they're shocked by the ark. So, I mean, it it's a very convincing scene that to this day it just looks beautiful. Like e- even all the the matte artwork that was done, the, the the matte paintings, like that actually still looks really good to this day. And I mean, if you look throughout different movies, you can see shitty matte art design, you know. But here, it's it's almost seamless. Yeah, yeah. The the, the effects in this movie are so good. Uh, I'm genuinely impressed by them, uh, and and this was what 1981, right? Yeah, 1981. Insane. I mean, the, yeah, the, the effects in this movie still hold up. Honestly, I think that this looks better than any release of the Star Wars original trilogy. And and I'm I'm watching the version of these movies that are streaming on Disney Plus. So um, as far as yep. the color and, and everything goes, uh, the these look pretty good. Yeah, we're watching it on standard def DVD, and it still fucking looks amazing. Yeah, they you know? have the Blu-ray release too. Right? Yeah, the, I've never seen the Blu-ray version, but just even the standard def DVD version still looks superb. You know, oh, even yeah. in, in widescreen and everything. I mean, the the coloring is still right on. I mean, it, it's 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 a very beautiful looking movie. 
when you get down to it. Yeah, or like that that one scene when they're um, they're digging up uh, to get into the well of souls, and you know we kind of get that like uh, afternoon sun uh, profile shot, like where you see like indie silhouette. Uh, it like this movie is just beautiful. Yeah, or or the uh, the the desert truck chase scene, which is like one of the best chase scenes ever made. I would say it's, oh, it's yeah. I mean, it, it, it just as a sequence, it, it's just so, so visceral in its own right. I mean, it, it's bloody. I mean, you, I mean, you just see a bunch of Nazis get wasted. It, it's fucking great. Like even the stunt work is, is grody, man. Like the, like the, uh, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of these guys that really got hurt, you know, like big time on oh, this yeah. movie. Apparently, uh, uh, Harrison Ford insisted on doing his own stunt work to the point where, uh, well, you know, when he's being dragged in that scene, he actually bruised a couple ribs. I would imagine so. So I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, I love that that uh, that that Ford does his own stunt work. I mean, it really just kind of adds to his acting of the character. You know, there's almost kind of like a like a personal attitude uh, similarity with that, uh, and I love it. Um, and just that that entire sequence. I, I mean, if nothing else, Indiana Jones delivers uh, Nazis getting smacked left and right, you know, into yesterday. That, that's got to be like the best part of this movie is just watching Nazis get punched and fucking kicked out of cars. This is the quintessential anti-fascist movie, like 100%. Fuck yeah. Like this and Last Crusade. Yeah. Because, I mean... Yeah, it's like, hey, hey, kids, remember when Nazis were cast as villains and weren't like, you know, something to be followed apparently nowadays? Yeah, right. You know, remember that? Remember those days? Those were the days. Yeah, and you know, and it was around the time that, you know, when when this movie came out, introducing Nazis as a villain was automatically like a... Oh, like you you automatically hate those guys. It's like the same feeling you're supposed to feel when you see the child slavers in Temple of Doom. You know, like that 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 that's a, a, a sort of setup that anybody is gonna feel immediately infuriated at that and like see that as an antagonist. That's how it was back then with Nazis. You know, when you portrayed a Nazi in in fiction, you know, it was like, oh, those are real fucking scumbags. How sad is it that that's just. <laughs> Nowadays, if you actually try to, you know, punch Nazis or kill Nazis in video games or whatever, half the internet gets butthurt over it. They apparently. come back as zombies. Yeah, they'll call, yeah, they'll, of course, the Nazi zombies. Nazi we, we, zombies. We, they always come back as zombies, right? Fucking bastards. God damn it. I want, I want a uh, Indiana Jones Nazi zombie story now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be... That'd be so fucking ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Come the fuck on now. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, Indiana, Indiana Jones, uh, in particular, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I mean, just defined adventure movies as, as a genre. Uh, this is just one of those movies that, I mean, even going back, like looking, have you, I don't know if you've watched like the, uh, the Siskel and Ebert review from the time, you know, it's like, when, when, Oh no, we, we, we should have watched that. God damn it. It, Robert. it does feel like the Goonies and 
Oh, the Goonies. Uh, yeah, the, oh, hell yeah. yeah. The, the Goonies is another movie that's kind of influenced by it. Yeah, with the treasure map in the beginning. <laughs> and there's that uh, connection with uh, Kehoi Kwan. Who I'm sure we'll talk about. That's exactly right, Kehoe Kwan in the in the in the the second movie. Yeah, but we'll get to that uh, in the next episode. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Raider, Raiders is, is held up by some pretty impressive performances and self, not least of which, of course, is Harrison Ford. Like I said, I think this is like peak Harrison Ford. If I recall, this is his favorite movie role. I can tell. Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, it's what actually uh, introduced the character for one. But I mean, I would say that this is probably uh, Ford's best uh, performance as Indy out, out of the entire trilogy. And and then I know that he had some hand in the writing and he actually ended up rewriting some of his own lines uh, and, and kind of uh, basically wrote some of the character himself. And then that really shows. I think, you know, it's a role that that Harrison Ford intuitively understands because he helped create it and, and bring it to life. Yeah. So, you know, you really feel that. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, like I said, I mean, this is just like, this is honestly the Indiana Jones trilogy are among my like top five favorite films of all time. I think <laughs> like the trilogy as a whole. It really is. I mean, th this still remains one of my favorite movies as well. I mean, absolutely. And, and honestly, it, it was just really, really hyped to just sit down and, you know, go through all three of these movies, but especially with Raiders, you know, just kind of reliving, you know, that first moment that we meet Indy, the first moment that we see the Ark of the Covenant, you know, when, when we see that the Nazis are involved and everything and all the way to that, that classic ending scene, you know, I mean, this is perfect filmmaking in so many ways. Oh, we even left out the mummy, right? Oh yeah. The, the mummy. That's right. The mummy, that, dude. And that's another obvious, uh, Indiana Jones and influenced movie yeah yeah mummy for real yeah and, and that's a cinematic masterpiece in its own right we're definitely going to talk about so. it at some point it's on my list um oh fuck yeah man. yeah the ending you mentioned like it is literally like the perfect way to end this movie just showing the ark of the covenant in a box getting loaded into this into this unknown warehouse along with god knows how many other it's boxes a, like it's just getting area 51 yeah, that they revealed that in uh, Crystal Skull that it was Area Fifty One, but when, when you know Raiders of the Lost Ark came out, it was it was just some some government warehouse. Yeah. But there was no Crystal Skull. Yeah, there's plenty of Crystal Skulls. No, there's there's no Crystal Skull, Robert. I don't care what you say. There's a lot of them. I don't know. You're misremembering. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it would make the most sense that the U.S. government would probably just take something with that kind of power and just file it away, right? I mean, mainly because they don't know what the fuck to really do with it, you know? I mean, I don't even think the Nazis really knew what the fuck they were going to do with it once they found it, you know? They, they, I mean, in the end, Indiana Jones and Sala and Marion, they're the only ones that come to understand what the Ark actually is. And the Tesseract. Yeah, the Tesseract. <laughs> Motherfucker, come on. <laughs> Iron Man is going to make a weapon out of it. You know? Oh, God, Robert. Tony Stark's father, you know. Uh, of course, of course. 
But yeah, I mean, the, it, it would make sense that the United States government would, would not know what the fuck to do with it. So they're going to just uh, file it away bury for, it, for another day. Bury it in the Nevada desert. Allegedly. Like they always do. Like they always do. Yeah. 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 This right here reminds me of like the mummy and the, the scorpion king a little bit with, uh-huh. the, with the light going to the pyramid or whatever. Scorpion king. And then the rock comes out, you know, Dwayne Johnson, CGI face. Sure, Robert. <laughs> sure. Sure. It, it's it's the mummy. CGI. Scorpion it's, it's, King. it's not like this is the first movie that influenced the mummy. Robert. The, the mummy. I'm talking about the Tom Cruise mummy. You know? Oh, come on. <laughs> why, why, are we, why would you even bring that up? Come on, dude. Why are we going to bring that fucking movie up? <laughs> it's the greatest mummy of all time. Like, I, I, I don't think that movie happened either. Even Brendan Fraser liked it. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> I don't think I, I refuse to believe that Brendan Fraser co-signed on that. Like absolutely. Ask him about it. He'll probably give you a look. And be like, yeah, no, no, no. He, he he'll be like, I came back from I came back from my career for this. Really? Exactly. Jesus Christ. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise in it. Damn it. But. Anyway, I guess we'll get into our final thoughts here. Um, All right. uh, Starting with you, Robert, what are your final thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Sue me. That's the title of the movie. It's not a bad movie. I just feel like I haven't seen it enough. This is probably like my fourth time watching it, really. I can't get over that. Like, you really saw... Saw the unmentionable movie before you saw this? Yeah. Really? Even, even Stevens, you know, had to see that one first. Even Stevens. Oh, my God. God damn it. Damn it, Robert. How do you, how do we even call you a cinephile? I don't know. This uh, just never really came up. We watched more Star Wars than Indiana Jones. or Actually, no, I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones. That's crazy to me. I think I've just seen, like, skits from Indiana Jones through like other TV shows really like, so you understand it from cultural osmosis more or less there you go yeah yeah well alright then yeah and what about you Bo for me this was a, a pivotal movie series for me growing up you know it's what, inter- it's what introduced me to the concept of cinematography, to the concept of how to actually frame, you know, action scenes and chase scenes and fight scenes. I mean, it had awesome acting by, the, by you know, Ford and John Rice davies and Paul Freeman and Karen Allen. I mean, and it is one of the best stories ever filmed, really. I mean, you, you don't get much more lean than this. I mean, it, it, it kind of pains me that movies aren't made this way anymore. You know, I, I don't know if you can make a movie as perfect as this anymore, you know? I mean, there, there's there's some there's only so many movies that I would say fit that uh, that framework, you know, of, of, of a perfect movie. You know, I would say Die Hard is one of them. Yeah. You know, I would say maybe RoboCop is even one of them. Yeah. But, I mean... This movie is definitely one of them. It, it's perfection. I mean, I, I, I've already watched this movie three times since uh, 
this we started uh, pre-production on this episode and we're even watching it again right now and it is fantastic man it's like I mean, this is one of those movies that everybody who considers themselves a film nerd or a cinemaphile, they need to watch this. Because, I mean, and, and, and if, you're, if you're a cinematographer or if you're a, a scriptwriter or anything, there's, watch this movie and learn from it. This, this is pretty much film school 101 here. You know, m m much like, you know, something like uh, The Evil Dead, you know. That, that's also Filmmaking 101 right there. But the, the, this is just one of those movies that you have to really get into if you want to, you know, have any awareness of, uh, you know, how movies work and everything. And oh, by the way, to all the chuds, uh, Kathleen Kennedy produced all these movies. So, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but, Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Dark is is a perfect movie. It's as close to a perfect movie as I've really ever seen. I mean, it is just flawless in the execution of its script, uh, in the performances, the dialogue, the comedic timing, everything about this movie from beginning to end is just perfection. Like, this is an e example. This is of... of how you should, just like you were saying, Bo, this is how you should approach cinema. This is how to make a good movie. If there's any one Indiana Jones movie that you need to see, it's this one. Um, this is just, you know, and, and I think it's fitting that it honestly kind of defined how I perceive cinema, since these movies were some of the earliest movies I ever remember watching. So, you know, how fitting is it? Because it honestly defines what a good movie is and you know it, it is a sad fact that you just don't see anything like this anymore but these movies are just infinitely rewatchable i've watched uh this film like you bow many times since uh we've had it planned this season i actually did a watch through of the trilogy earlier a few months ago uh and i've already watched this movie again uh, two or three times since I have it on now, you know, as per usual. And yeah, I mean, this movie never gets boring. Everything about it is, is great. Um, and literally it's only weakness is just not being as good as last crusade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. <laughs> In my opinion. But I guess that about does it. Uh, this is part one of our Indiana Jones trilogy review. Stick around for part two where we're going to talk about Temple of Doom and my personal favorite, The Last Crusade. Um, and uh, what else have we got going on this month, Bo? Um, we should be uh, doing a uh, guest spot on the Cinema Recall uh, podcast. I don't know. It's probably just going to be me. I don't know. Uh, we're going to be talking about Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, first movie, Dogtooth, which is a pretty uh, fitting movie for our time, needless to say. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't think we have a director's cut planned or anything, but probably uh, we might get something together in February. But I mean, yeah, for the rest of this month, uh, yeah, it's pretty much just the Indiana Jones uh, part two. So, Alrighty. So, yeah, stick around for uh, the rest of our 2024 content uh, on Collateral Gaming. Hopefully by the time this is released, uh, we'll have our Oracle of Seasons episode out. It's way long overdue. Um, 
And then uh, this month, our planned content was on The Witcher 3, uh, as well as a two-part anniversary special on Fable 1 and Fable 2. So I hope to at least get half of the planned content out by the end of the month. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch up from there. But, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice. Uh, leave us feedback on uh, Good Pods. Follow us there uh, so we can climb up the ranks. Uh, you can find us uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. Uh, check us out on social media as well uh, at C Cinema Podcast. I think on most platforms, we're on uh, Twitter, and Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, and follow the Collateral Media Podcasts group on Facebook uh, and get in touch with uh, the latest memes from Collateral Cinema, Collateral Gaming, uh, pop culture shit in general, and the latest updates. Uh, also, uh, like and subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can uh, not only uh, catch videos of the podcast, but you can also catch our new short film written and directed by Robert Ortegon, sitting right here, the man, uh, Texas Sundown. You can find it. Uh, I, I think we might have it pinned there. I don't know, but uh, it has at least 50 something views so far, and we would like to get that view count up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, look for it on our YouTube. Also, uh, check us out on Buy Me a Coffee if you don't want to uh, get a uh, you know commentary for your money. You can still support us there. And uh, also, we're on TikTok. So uh, follow us there, and uh, you can find uh, all kinds of content as there as well. Oh, yeah. Well... Stick around for part two of our episode on the Indiana Jones trilogy uh, and more content uh, this year on Collateral Cinema. Uh, until then, I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. And I hate Snake's Jock. I hate him. <laughs> this has been Collateral Cinema. We are out. Laters. Collateral Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.